<laughs> Although to be fair, <clears throat> and I should be fair, I think I might have hung us up. But then it just freaked out on me. Hi, everybody, and welcome uh, to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Conklin. It is so good to hear your voice. No, to hear my voice. I don't know if it's good to hear my voice. You'll have to determine that yourself. Man. What a week we're having here. It's amazing, kind of, I think. Uh, I mean, it sort of meets the amazing quotient factor, if uh, you know that. The podcast is screaming along. What do you think? So how did you like everybody? That's the, and there's more coming. I mean, it's we're not done by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not even close to being finished. There's no question about that. So everything's grand with me, busy as can be. It looks like we are set up for a um, open workshop. A lot of requests to do an open workshop, so we picked one in Denver, Colorado, and uh, it's going to be um, three days. And this is all uh, kind of well; it's it's not really tentative. The dates are, um, I think it's May twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third. It's it's that week in May, the the week of the twentieth, uh, the third week in May. In Denver, I think I said that because um, got some heat on doing them in Vegas. So Denver's fine. I mean, I, I'm actually looking forward to it. It sounds great. May's a great time in Denver too. The workshop will be a fundamentals class because we've been asked to do an open fundamentals, and that's available for anybody who um, who can't bring us in or or um, just wants to sort of have a deeper dive with a full day. We'll always restrict the size of the workshop to around, we try to really restrict them to around 20, uh, no more than 25 is usually kind of our, our, uh, number. Second day will be a learning one. And then the third day is a workshop on, on fatality and serious, uh, incident prevention. And I think that one might be a little larger. Um, and that one I'm I'm super psyched about. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while. It's just hard to get everything coordinated. But uh, so it's three days. If you want one day, that's fine. Yeah, two days, that's great too. If you want all three days, that's perfect as well. And um, the dates are pretty much fixed. We're good on those. I think it'll be Bob and I and and maybe Andrea um, will will teach the the classes. But you'll have lots of access to us, and that's kind of what it's all for. And and they're fun. It's it's definitely fun. I'm really interested in um, who's going to look at the fatality one because I think that one's going to have some. Well, we're going to deep dive into this this notion of prevention versus prediction. Um, there's so much crappy stuff out there now around fatalities that, and that worries me. Um, this is a this is a much different approach. So that's available, and I think that'll be great. And and so, stay tuned on that. Uh, there'll be a uh, a specific podcast just around this topic, and we'll make that happen as well. Um, today's podcast is really interesting. I think you're going to like it. It's sort of, you you know, this is the year that I'm sort of letting go and releasing things and getting rid of stuff. That was my theme. But you remember a couple of years ago I did gratitude. Well, I spoke at a meeting. And uh, the guy that followed me, it was a big meeting. The guy who followed me is a guy named Paul Kismer. Uh, sorry, Chrismer. I said it wrong. I practiced it too. Ah, crap. Chrismer. Chrismer. Anyway, Paul is uh, Paul works a lot with with um, safety, and he works a lot with 
um, disability injury prevention, workers' comp, that side of it. In fact, that's his that's his whole background. But out of that came this really interesting um, quest, this discussion, this 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 direction where he moved around safety, culture, and happiness. And that's what this uh, podcast is about, safety, culture, and happiness. I think you're going to find this interesting. It's I really like this podcast, and I think you will as well. So sit back and enjoy. This is Paul Chrismer on happiness and safety. <laughs> so um, introduce yourself to us. What? Um, Tell us who you are and why it's so vital that we know who you are. Well, thank you for that invitation, Todd. I'm Paul Krismer. I run a business called the Happiness Experts Company, which sounds frivolous, but uh, the idea of having positive emotions is, in fact, really important, both on a personal level and for professional organizations. Um, it's the presence of positive emotions that lead us to success. And so that's what I'm all about. I'm teaching people the science of positive psychology, often in an industrial context. What's your background? What 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 led you to, uh, to be this person? <laughs> well, I spent uh, just about 20 years in the public sector, almost all of it in the safety end of the business, uh, first with traffic safety and then through a workers' compensation board in British Columbia, Canada, where the prevention mandate for the province is also within the workers' compensation system. So I spent years and years consulting with um, high-risk employers and high-volume of claims employers and just trying to show them that there's paths they can take where they're going to have fewer incidents and less expensive claims when they do have them. And what'd that look like? What'd that sound like? Well... For me, a biggest, the biggest part of a safety program, or at least an equally big part to a compliance program, a, a paper-based system by which you manage your safety, an equal part of that has to be how you manage your culture. Um, when people don't want to be at work, when they're not volunteering their hearts and minds to their workplace or their procedures or to their boss, um, they are far more liable to not be paying attention, not being compliant, and um, when they do get hurt, they don't want to come back. So tell me more about that. I, f I find that part really interesting. So w w there's two things we should unpack, Paul. But let's do it. Let's do it in kind of opposite order. Sure. Um, one thing I want to unpack is is the belief that if you choose to be happier, you'll be safer. Because that's really interesting to me. But um, unpack the whole notion of of wanting to come back. That that seems really. That seems like a tough nut to crack. Yeah, and I, on first blush, I don't want any of your listeners to think that I'm throwing injured workers under the wheels of the bus and saying that um, they, it's, it's attitudinal that leads them to have long-duration claims. Um, most often, the length of a claim corresponds to uh, the nature of the injury. So the worse you're hurt, the longer you stay off work. But from years of experience, and the science backs me up on this, we know that amongst those people who might suffer a serious injury, or even what appears to be a minor injury, the duration can at least in part be predicted by their attitude towards their employer. And um, th there's great studies that show exactly that link, that where there's a high presence of positive emotions in a workplace, amongst other benefits, 
you get shorter duration of claims and fewer sick days overall. And and does happiness hmm, how to ask this? Does happiness create the opportunity to be healthier? Is that the right did I ask that question right? Yeah, I I think I like that question. Can I briefly um, demystify what we mean by happiness. Yes, absolutely. Happiness. Anything to demystify anything in my world is welcome. Awesome. So happiness is is a is kind of a catchphrase that we sometimes see in in modern society where there's so much emphasis on it, is this grinning from ear to ear and skipping through the meadow and and happy as can be, and that's maybe one version of happiness. But from a positive psychology point of view more academic point of view, it means any number of positive emotions. It could be joy, gratitude, interest, pride, hope, even amusement, um, inspiration, love. All those things are happiness. And um, whenever we're accessing any one of those or any number of those, then that's the presence of positive emotions or for short, that's the presence of happiness. So how does that relate to being safer? Great. Good question. So when we're happy, when there's the presence of positive emotions, science is demonstrating that a number of things are propelling a person forward towards more success, objective measures of success. Their careers are better. Their health is better. Their relationships are better. Even their cognitive function. So they're actually smarter when they're happy. And so if we take individuals in an organization and create a, a culture that leads to a higher presence of positive emotions, They'll literally be um, functioning at a higher level. They'll relationships with their superiors and their peers will be better. They'll be cognitively problem solving and um, accessing memory, um, using creativity in the moment when they're at work. And then finally, and importantly, they're um, they're healthier while they're there. So their their body actually, when it's filled with the chemicals and hormones associated with happiness functions at a higher level, lower blood pressure, um, better, more serotonin, better cognitive function, uh, all these kinds of things. And then in safety, what's one of the other really interesting ones is that people's, um, actually they literally see more so that their peripheral vision expands when they're in a positive mood, which I know sounds hard to believe, but these things are easy to test in a laboratory. And you actually get people who have a greater capacity to see and manage risk when they're in a positive mood. So if a, if a, if a company wants to become happier or if they want their culture to be more prone towards happiness, I almost said better, but it's what do they do? I mean, how, how do you help them? There's a lot of really practical ways. So the happiness is really, it's a skill set that people, some people come by naturally in their childhood and then they grow up to be relatively happy adults. And those who are interested in learning about happiness as an adult can just learn the skills that are associated with it. And I'll give you one that's, you know, maybe sounds a bit cliche, but, you know, gratitude practice that we might have as an individual reflecting on the good things in our life can be translated pretty easily into a corporate setting. And there we don't call it gratitude. We call it appreciative inquiry, which is just a way of saying what's going well in my company. And if we're constantly asking that question, not only will people be in an emotional mood that's more productive, but they'll be reflecting on how do we replicate the things that are going well in one place and move that throughout our organization. And that's 
one very basic example of how companies can change the context of the discussion amongst the humans that work at the company. Can you take like this, um, the AI, the appreciative inquiry, can you use that around event learning, around investigations, around going out and interviewing people? I mean, can you, can you, can you push that idea of gratitude that far into the detail? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can use it almost anywhere. I would say not so much after a problem has arisen is the that's probably not the right time to say what is it about this that's working well but we should more often pause before the problem arises and say just what's going well in the company so for example if we've got a, a safety issue in um, one plant in a very large manufacturing company we will probably send resources over and over again to study the problem there rather than examine the other plants that don't have the same problem and if we were to study the other plants that don't have the problem, and I mean truly study, not just pat somebody on the back and say, hey, that's great, you haven't had any of this or that kind of problem. Instead, really go in there and objectively look what's causing the greater level of success at the plant that's um, not having the problem. Then we might learn something that we can take to the other organization. And it's a positive learning because we can take it to them with uh, an, a sense of ideas and hope that you can replicate what's going well in one place to another. So that's interesting. You know, the way I look at safety is 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 safety is a dynamic non-event. So in order for nothing to happen in a plant, a lot of people are working really hard, right? Uh, Super you know, well said. I, I mean, right. that's that's the the most interesting question to me is when nothing's happening, what's working? And yeah. I think one of the things you bring to the table is not the ability to understand failure or to explain failure. But I think you actually bring an ability uh, to frame normal or to, f to frame success. And that's interesting to me. I mean, the idea that we would go out in the safety arena and look at what's working is, is kind of a foreign idea. Well, yeah, yeah I, it, it is a kind of foreign idea. I think there's very few of us uh, speaking about the emotional context in which people work. And, you know, this to give you another practical example, I've worked with companies where we literally – um, had people field supervisors or, or not field supervisors, had people uh, work with supervisors and just monitor their behaviors. And they were recording how frequently the supervisors would say anything about safety. And in most organizations, it's relatively infrequent, like 20% or less, that the person will, on speaking to a subordinate, actually say something about safety. And when you simply monitor this conversation for a while and then reveal to the supervisors what you're seeing, supervisors can, like all the rest of us, they can be corrected by getting the feedback. And when people then start having a conversation that's frequently about safety, the emotional context for the organization shifts because the workers will say, oh, my supervisor cares about how I manage this task so that I'm physically okay. And the best way to, to do that, of course, we coach supervisors to ask people how they'll do it safely. And it may sound um, overly simplistic, but imagine if most of our conversations at a manufacturing plant, for example, began with, hey, what do you got to do today? You've got that or this task. How will you do it safely? And then workers own that answer rather than a supervisor coming by and saying, do this or do that. And by the way, do it safely. Do people know they're not happy? Ha <laughs> ha. People probably are not very conscious about asking the question of themselves, but when they ask, 
they often feel, frankly, less happy in that moment. And it's because we sometimes ask the wrong question. Even if Todd, if I were to ask you, you know, are you happy? Your first response is going to be exploring the different facets of your life and looking for things that maybe aren't quite right. Because <laughs> I say, are you happy? And you go, well, you know, uh, gee, the car has got this funny noise in it. And uh, my coffee was cold this morning. And we start seeing things that make us feel that life is less than perfect. And so you say, well, you know, so-so. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm t- entirely happy. The real question is to say, are we on a trajectory towards happier? And that's a that's a destination that's all about the journey there rather than arriving at a place that we call happy and say, OK, I've, I've, I've arrived at happy and now let's stay here forever. So you're saying we don't measure happiness in a fixed state. We measure happiness in motion. So we measure Indeed. the vector of happiness. Is that what you're saying? It was super well said. Yep. Well, that's kind of the same way we look at complexity, right? You don't measure complexity in a fixed state. You always measure the direction it's vectoring. So how do you, uh, how do you ensure your organization is vectoring towards happy? Well, I think the most um, salient leverage point, the most important leverage point, is your frontline supervisors. So if you've got a, commis- a commitment at the higher levels of the organization to invest in a, in a strong safety culture – then you need to teach frontline supervisors exactly how you um, how you produce that. And culture is a, is a function of humans' beliefs that are shared amongst them. And so it, it's not anything other than the way we develop relationships, broadly in groups and individually one-on-one within, with workers. And it can be very directed purposeful relationships you know we want to produce x y and z and make profits and sell goods but we can produce that in an emotional context that's healthy and as i say there's lots of skills that can be taught uh to create a happier environment and what are what are some of those help us help us see what it is we should be thinking about and doing well one of the ones that i mentioned already was gratitude which we could call appreciative inquiry But I literally teach supervisors that to start their day, I want them to have one exchange of appreciation with some worker and simply to form the habit before they do anything else. When they walk into the the plant for or walk walk into their office, either go see someone in person or send an email that has an expression of appreciation. And it may sound super small and unimportant, but imagine a whole organization where their entire supervisory and management team started their day that way. What a change it would make to the emotional context for the workplace. Another really interesting and so powerful... So can I interrupt a minute and ask yeah, something? Yeah, please. So um, let me tell you a little uh, side story. A couple years ago, I I, uh, I always make these kind of uh, goals for the year, and they're, always, um, they're not always interesting, but I try to make them interesting. But one year I decided I was going to buy somebody lunch every day. So every day... All year long for a whole year, I bought somebody lunch. So either either people I knew or a lot of times I'd buy the person behind me lunch or I'd oftentimes step in if I was behind a person and buy their lunch and buy mine as well. And um, the benefit for that was really interesting to me, Paul, because what I thought I was doing was, was going to be giving other people happiness. But what I secretly bought was this really – interesting sense of happiness on my side and so this gratitude exercise the secret weapon in that 
is not just the fact that people will get letters of appreciation or comments of appreciation, but my guess is it would also probably make the supervisors feel better as well. At least it, it, it kind of did with the lunch thing. Is that kind of on oh, the right you're... track? It's brilliant. You're totally anticipating what I was going to say next. This whole idea of a behaving altruistically, we think, well, what's there in it for altruism? You're just giving stuff away to other people who you're not expecting any repayment from. Why would I do that? And why certainly would I do it routinely? Well, it turns out we've evolved as a human species that we get big emotional rewards when we behave altruistically. There was a really good study done, if I can tell you about it. It's they were, had university students measured for their levels of personal happiness. And then they gave them 20 bucks and said, go spend it on whoever you want. Uh, and the people got a lot happier. And then they gave the other university students 20 bucks and they were to spend it on themselves. And to the surprise of the researchers, the people who spent the money on others were much happier than the people who spent the money on themselves. And they, they contemplated that maybe this was just a function of how much money it was. Maybe if it was a lot more than 20 bucks, it was a thousand bucks. The people who spend it on themselves would be a lot happier. And if they spend it on other people, they'd be miserable. Well, that was an expensive experiment to try to get the uh, funding for. So instead, they partnered with very, uh, very uh, impoverished nations universities, Nigeria, for example, and did the same experiment, 20 US dollars. And this time, the 20 US dollars represented enough money to feed a family of four for a week. So a significant amount. And the people who spent money on themselves got a little bit happier. And interestingly, the people who spent the money on others got a lot happier. So we don't really know why we are biologically driven to have altruism as this big emotional reward for ourselves. But we do know it's a fact. And so just like your experiment there, buying lunches, it was a beautiful, generous gesture, and yet the biggest reward came for you. That's quite and remarkable. When yeah, you and when, executives... that, when you think about that as a cultural intervention, wow, wow. That's why it's so, you know, it's, it sounds so simple if I say one act of appreciation every day by everybody in a supervisory and management task. It's, it sounds like nothing. Like, what, how, what difference could it make? But you've been in big organizations, Todd. Imagine what that would have been like if you just repeat that through all of your management ranks every day for months and maybe a year. It's game-changing. It's just one example of what we can do. That's remarkable. So how's it work? Have you seen successes? I've seen some huge successes. I've worked with some really um, tough-minded uh, very challenging physical environments, for example, the forestry industry in British Columbia, which is some of the toughest old growth trees and mountainous terrain that you'd find anywhere in the world. And the guys who do this work are, are phenomenally macho, tough, um, and I would say not particularly emotionally expressive. And yet in that very environment, I've seen companies go from horrific uh, devastating accident records and many fatalities to turn it around, becoming stars in their industry through interventions just like this, where they're, they, they can have the paper compliance with a good safety system that doesn't get them very far, but when they bring the culture that supports that compliance and safety system, then they get all the way. They really make progress. So what do I tell my boss? I don't think I can go to my boss's office and say, hey, I think we need to be happier. 
I mean, will that sell? I think you can tell them we need to manage the culture, which is an emotional construct amongst humans. And the evidence, the science from what we call meta-studies, and I know you know that word, but I'll explain it. A meta-study is a study of the studies. When people say, I'm going to take every well-published research document on organizations that invest in a positive emotional context and then see what kind of results they get from that. And the results include things like better customer service and higher productivity, things like organizational citizenship, where um, that's where people volunteer their efforts towards things that aren't formally in their job description. So it's like if I see coffee on the stairs, well, it's not my job to clean it up, but I'll clean it up because I have this positive emotional context in which I come to work. And that leads to fewer sick days, lower disability, and better safety outcomes. And I don't need to tell your audience or Utah that when you have those kinds of outcomes as a result of the emotional context, you get more profitability, more productivity. And because you come to this through really kind of the hard part of safety, disability management, workers' comp, that kind of big injury management, that, that whole side of the house... I mean, you've really seen both sides of this equation, and I bet you've really seen companies that are unhappy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've worked in some of them. <laughs> and it's <laughs> that's probably a different podcast, Paul. Oh, we it can probably have a discussion, but I don't know if I want to. That part of it, I think, that that noticing, seeing happiness as a as a cultural intervention towards producing better success, not less failure, but better success. That's what I, if, if I were to capture what you were saying, that's what I'm hearing you say. That's really enticing. Yeah, it's all the difference. And you, you and I both know this. We've been around long enough to say we've gone into places where the overall environment is one of hostility between um, management and their workforce. Or there are people who are just, it's um, the sense of pleasure and meaning that people are getting from their work uh, is completely absent. And in those workplaces, it's a recipe for trouble. People are not going to be bringing their best selves in all the ways that I talked about earlier, where positive emotions produce a physical and emotional human being that's more capable of keeping him or her safe and contributing positively to the company. So when you walk into these places where there's this kind of poison or toxic uh, culture, which is the extreme, but when you walk into those ones, it's really clear that there's accidents waiting to happen everywhere, regardless of how good their program is on paper. So what do you read? What do you what do you read? What are you interested in? What keeps you you sharp and and moving forward? Well, the the. The, my fascination is primarily around positive psychology these days, and so I'm always keeping up with the latest research. I'm a member of the uh, International Positive Psychology Association, and they put out more studies than I can possibly read. But that's fascinating me right now because this whole subset of the psychology research that we do, this subset around positive psychology, is emerging just day after day with new and impressive studies. It's like we knew nothing about positive psychology for the 100 years before now. And then suddenly people said, you know, instead of just looking at negative pathology, depression, anxiety, and all those kinds of things, let's look at what causes people to actually thrive. And we're learning such great stuff. And I have no shortage of appetite to keep bringing that stuff in. 
So if you were going to give one piece of advice to a company, what would it be? I'd say almost regardless of what your uh, your most important objectives are, look to your culture to get there. How do we get a hold of you? If I want to talk to you more, what do I do? You send me an email at uh, paul at paulchrismer.com. That easy? That easy. You're the happiest boy on earth. <laughs> I'm enjoying what I do for sure, Todd, as I know you do too. Thanks for your time, man. It's a pleasure. Take care. So what do you think? That's the podcast, huh? What do you think? Isn't Paul fun? And he's, I forgot to tell you, he's Canadian. So you get the whole Canadian thing going there too, which I really like. Um, it's, it's great. I think what Paul's talking about and the empirical data he's bringing in right now around um, positive psychology is an interesting and probably quite valuable way to think about safety culture. I know it fits in perfectly with the stuff that Eric Hallnagel's talking about or the stuff that Decker talks about or, or, or I spend an awful lot of time talking about. And that's the fact that really safety is this dynamic non-event, that in order for nothing to happen, lots of people have to do lots of stuff. And that ultimately we have to look at how safety works when it's successful. And that is a more positive approach to understanding our field and, and what it has to do. It's a, it's that, I think that podcast was great. It was like a, it was like a nice cool glass of lemonade on a hot day, kind of refreshing and fun. And I thought you'd like it, which is kind of why I did it. So thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Tell your friends if you're a, if you're new to the podcast, you're always welcome. We're glad you're here. Until then, have as much fun as you possibly can. I bet you did today. Learn something new every single day. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. 